This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I should really write that down in my notes. Um, <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton and uh, gets us higher in the search results on iTunes. So this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about workplace comedies, but first I just want to mention that Tiny... Next weekend, June 17th to the 19th. Is that next weekend? It is next weekend, sir. Oh, my sir. God. We're, we're, we are going to be at Indie PopCon at the Indiana Convention Center. Um, basically, it's the third year that they're doing the convention. It's the third year we're going to be a part of it, and we're really excited about it. At least I am. I can't really speak for Tiny. No, can't. it's going to be awful. Okay. Well, you're going to be there by yourself Friday. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm always really excited for that. Yeah, it's always really fun. Yeah. Um, so again, that's June 17th to the 19th. Um, so if you're going to be at PopCon, stop by our booth. Uh, we're going to be booth number 448, I think 448, in, um, in the Internet Alley section or, or whatever, the maps online. Um, and also, if you're at PopCon on Saturday, June 18th, um, at 3 p.m., at 3 p.m., we're going to be on the podcaster stage. So come find us there. You can find more information about PopCon at IndiePopCon.com. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait yeah oh yeah look forward to it every year so uh tiny the reason that you're going to be by yourself on friday is because i started a new job yes you did yes you did which brings us to why we chose to do this topic this week uh we're talking about workplace comedies because now i have an like I have I have a job like a new job and uh, it's an office job and you know that's a that's a prime setting for comedy and on film and television basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm using that as an excuse to really just dive into us talking about workplace comedies, which it's a pretty broad topic, really. Yeah, and like there's. I'm glad that we're kind of working from a set list and we've incorporated both movies and TV shows, which I don't think we really, we don't really do that that often. No, we don't. So this is, this is going to be fun, but, uh, it's just interesting because these, these titles all kind of, there's, there's, they offer different things or at least different, um, workplaces, (laughs) Uh, that they cover. So I'm really excited to get into it. So yeah, I think it's a great topic because it's, it's just like so relatable Mm -hmm. because everyone has a job or everyone has had a job and it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's the service industry or if it's construction or if it's office or if it's whatever, you you probably have a goofy story about the weird guy at work or the crazy stuff your boss says Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And so it just makes it super relatable. And I think that's why people like workplace comedy so much. Right. And we worked together for several years, and when you said the weird guy at work, you gave me kind of a weird look, so I don't... <laughs> uh, I don't as weird know. as you are, you were low on the totem pole of weird nice. people who well, worked there. that's true. It's in, the security industry attracts some very interesting characters. Yes, it so does. We were security guards for a long yes, time. Yes, it does. They train like um, I fight. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I love 
that you slipped that in there. Um, no one's gonna anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so there's there's just so much to mine from this uh, topic, and there's a lot like I guess I, I guess I want to make a caveat here that there's a lot of like none of the none of the titles on our list go past the 90s like the 1990s and there are some that need to be like addressed and and i wish that we could have gotten a chance to see and talk about but um particularly nine to five really yeah is the one and i was gonna say the secret of my success and i wanted to watch that but solely because of that one episode of it's always sunny yeah. <laughs> that referenced it um it's a classic movie it's ridiculous but mm-hmm. it's it's fun right yeah but i haven't i didn't get a chance to watch it so there's several obviously there are a lot of different workplace comedies out there, but these are kind of more modern movies that we're going to talk about and uh, somewhat modern shows, I guess, 90s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mention that it's funny because I was looking through a list of different uh, workplace comedies and a lot of them were like um, newscast movies or newspaper movies or journalism movies, which is a topic that I want to cover in a future episode. So mm-hmm. those were kind of omitted from the list. Okay. So. So basically, we have a list of six movies and like seven shows. Um, we're gonna kind of, kind of, just dive right into them. Basically, yep. Um, so first up, Tiny is. Do you want to do you want to introduce it and just go? Back sure. And forth? Cool. The first one we have on the list is Clerks. Yes. Which is that movie became like an instant classic, and mm-hmm. it's it's barely twenty years old. Um, I think the reason it became such a classic is because it's about people who are kind of low on low on the ladder like the lowest rung of the ladder of success if you will you know it's about clerks who work behind a counter at a convenience store Mm -hmm. um that's an entry-level job if there ever was one and you know it's 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 kind of about the malaise of what it's like Mm -hmm. to to have a job like that um especially at a place like that specifically um and and clerks just took off because of its honesty i think mm-hmm. and and there's so much there's so much comedy in the honesty of that kind of job um because it's it's demonstrated i love the the montages of the people who come in and just say the stupidest crap mm-hmm. when the guy's like hey do you have a hubcap for a 1975 pinto or whatever right. that's um, right yeah you expect me to drink this coffee hot <laughs> stuff like that it's just like those oh, are the, yeah. the classic stories you hear from people mm-hmm. who who work in that kind of job um and so yeah i think i think the honesty of the movie is what makes it so so hilarious mm-hmm. and and it's just it's exceedingly clever um good performances by the lead actors and everything yeah. i love clerks and I'm glad that it launched Kevin Smith. So me too, and I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here. But um, I, I'm not too crazy about his career right now. Kevin Smith, yeah. Um, Tusk, I wasn't a fan of, and Yoga Hosers. I'm just really, really like my expectations for it. I feel like, given my how I felt about Tusk and how I felt about the parts of tusks that are going to be incorporated into yoga hosers it's going to be a miracle for me to actually appreciate that movie or like that movie but with clerks i mean yeah like like you said it just it put him on the map and what i love about it what i love so much about clerks itself is how much how much of a gamble it was on his on his on his part because he maxed out all his credit cards just to make this movie Mm -hmm. no idea if it would be a success no idea if it would do anything fortunately he 
it, he persevered and, and it started a really long career for him. And something that he even circled back with with Zach and Mary make a porno where it basically they were basically telling the story of Clerks as if it was a story of of making a porno. Right. Um, but also what I what I probably latch on to most of all in Clerks is how it's at its heart it's about just like you said the malaise of the job but also the malaise of the mid twenties like time of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's so. Like the characters are such are, are are at such a just kind of uh, I hesitate to say the word pathetic state, but they're kind of a kind of a bland state. Like uh, Dante has very uh, has very confused views of of relationships, and 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 uh, and and Randall isn't uh, at all a responsible human being. Right, and it's just it kind of really captures a time in the characters lives where they're they're not really at a crossroads yet but they're kind of just there and they're kind of just kind of just letting letting the days fly by and that's something that i really appreciated oh yeah <laughs> about the movie and then it even carried over into clerks three where or clerks two i'm sorry mm-hmm. uh into clerks two where it's the same thing but 10 years later and they're in their 30s and it's a little more it's a little more serious and ha- has to deal with more life-changing obstacles and life-changing events going on in their lives and having to see the success of other people that they know, like when uh, uh, Jason Lee's character comes in. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really, it like these movies are really good character pieces for a certain eras of life, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's what I really appreciate about them. And the two characters, the two main characters, uh, uh, Dante and Randall, are just so perfectly realized mm-hmm. between the two movies. Anyways, their progression through their their uh, maturity, if you will. Yeah, uh, I love those characters. Mm. I I think Clerks Two is almost better than Clerks. I totally agree. I mean, it's which I that's a big statement. Yeah, so. I feel like that might be a little bit of an unpopular opinion, but yeah. I really loved Clerks too. Me too. Um I will I will kind of fight you on the acting though cuz you mentioned that the acting was really good. I the um uh Brian O'Halloran uh-huh. who plays uh Dante, I th- I kind of just think he's awful. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I uh, maybe it's a, just a personal taste for me, but I just I, it kind of he does this high uh whiny high energy kind of wine yeah. uh, affectation in his performance that it just really kind of bothers me but I mean that's it doesn't detract from the movie at all I meant that like relatively like when you, <laughs> sure. when you consider the fact that they were filming this at night and they're totally not professional actors at all they're right. just two guys basically mm-hmm. I think they're good performances yeah okay sure from, from that perspective right <laughs> <laughs> so that's Clerks, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what uh, Clerks Three has in store for us if if Kevin Smith ever makes it. I, think. I hope he does. Yeah, I want to say that he planned on it because he wanted to do Clerks. Clerks is about the twenties. Your the characters twenties. Clerks Two's thirties, and then Clerks Three is forties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, next up on our list is basically the reigning champion of this subgenre like it's the movie that everyone thinks of when when you say workplace comedies um it's 1999's office space which i just rewatched a couple hours ago before this recording and man does this movie hold up it's so good it's so good and mike judge is a genius at crafting comedy and 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 these 
in in this particular scenario or in this particular setting and it's it comes from such a place of honesty and of knowledge of the mon- mundane nature of the office culture and corporate culture stuff like that um and it's just it i think that the the humor in that setting breathes so effortlessly and the movie takes so many turns to where like the first the first like maybe quarter of the movie or the first uh, th- uh half of the movie is is all contingent on peter gibbs peter gibbons peter gibbons 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 yeah. yeah um played by ron livingston who like he's in this he's in this malaise and he basically um is is hypnotized into not caring about the consequences of just not showing up or not doing anything he he's basically in in a kind of weird analogy he's unplugged from the matrix of of office life <laughs> and so he's just basically this carefree guy now and it's just interesting to see in that segment of the movie to see how everyone reacts around him in in that circumstance because they're all that's what I mean when it when it's when it seems like when I say that it seems like the movie comes from such a genuine understanding of of office culture like that is that it just it, like no one knows what to do like no one understands what's going on with this guy mm-hmm. and like that alone is enough of a is enough of a setup to carry a movie but then it goes into such a such a different so so many different areas and so many different uh, or a few different uh, turns that it's. It's really funny that the movie can successfully navigate these kind of strange turns and still be a complete movie um, and, and still make sense within the confines of the, 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 the what was established in the first act. I, I, I really appreciate that as in terms of storytelling. So mm-hmm. uh, Tiny, Office Space, thoughts? This is one of my favorite movies. Nice. This is a top 20 for me without question. That um, is awesome. Yeah, and, and you know, I... I started working. I got a new job a, a year ago, but mm-hmm. uh, it still feels new to me. And I'm in an office setting, and so uh, without question, this is the most quoted movie at the office I work at. Really, we, we quote this. I don't know about daily, but very often, uh, you know, when someone makes a mistake, it's like this isn't Riyadh. They're not going <laughs> to cut your hands off or something like that. Or someone will ask a question, and they'll be like, "Well." You have to ask yourself, is this good for the company? <laughs> um, we, we just quote this movie endlessly at work. This and Forrest Gump are, are the two <laughs> most quoted movies. Um, Inter- Forrest Gump? Yeah, it's really. Random. I think it's just because of the popularity and uh-huh. the, the situations that so many of those quotes can find themselves into. Um, but uh, anyways, Office Space is just like a borderline perfect movie. I think it's just mm-hmm. so perfectly paced and laid out and structured that you laugh at all the right times and then it gets kind of serious, you know, sometimes and you just relate to the character of Peter Gibbons so much that you can't help but love the movie. Um, and it's just hilarious that there's so, there's just so many funny quotable moments that I won't go into. Um, but it, I, I just I can relate to the movie so much more having worked in an office for the last, last year. Um, mm-hmm. it just gets so many things right. Um, it's it's just a classic. I mean, what I I agree with you that it's it's the reigning champion of the of this subgenre, if you will. Um, it's it's the best example of a workplace comedy. Nice, yeah, and I I agree. Yeah, everything you said. It's 
it's funny because like we're at we're at different points right now. Like you've been in a corporate office setting for a year, and I've been in it for a week and a half. <laughs> so it's just it's really interesting, and to see office space with at least a week and a half of experience within this this structure and this uh, culture and everything is just really interesting and. It's it's funny because it's such a cynical look at it, and my experience so far in my new job has been that you know everyone is pretty cool and everyone's it's all pretty uh, it's it's pretty you know it's it's not as it's not nearly as pessimistic as uh, what this movie would have uh, you believe that setting would be. So I feel like I kind of lucked out with that, but um, but I'm enjoying it, and this movie really everything you said and everything I said earlier, it's just, it's really, really spectacular and it holds up so well, so well. And even when, even when they're like sitting, when they're sitting there and they're just looking up the, they're looking up money laundering in the dictionary <laughs> and Peter says like, we're nerds. We're looking up money laundering in a dictionary. It's <laughs> just the, the way that that happens is so funny. Yeah. And, and so great. Um, and also the, <laughs> probably one of my favorite parts of the entire, of the entire movie is the repeated use of hip hop yeah. in the, in, in the contrast of using hip hop in the office setting is just so hilarious to me. Yes. And it's so, it's just so great. And I defy you to show me a better workplace comedy, um, um, sequence than, uh, the damn it feels good to be a gangster sequence. Yes. Cause my god it's just it's it's lovely it's mm-hmm. just lovely yes it is um yeah so that's office space and i mean it's it's just it's fantastic yes um the next movie on our list is kind of a unique choice <laughs> <laughs> it's anchorman the legend of ron burgundy and it's from 2004 and this is another movie that's kind of a kind of a modern classic or mm-hmm. it's it's very well respected. The sequel, I still. Uh, did you ever see the sequel? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Had its moments, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't too crazy about it, but um, but yeah, this original one is just so so great, and it's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, this is another example of you know when this movie came out, you couldn't go more than an hour in your life without hearing somebody oh quote it. God, I know, right? And it went on for like years, um, deservedly so, because it's just an endlessly quotable movie. Um, but you know, it's it, it's interesting because it kind of tackles it kind of tackles like a serious issue, like how mm-hmm. how women were more integrated into the workforce as opposed to you know just being secretaries and waitresses and nurses you know mm-hmm. the women are capable of far far more than that and right. it's it, it kind of pokes fun at how men reacted to that during mm-hmm. this time period um so it, it takes a serious thing and makes it makes it light makes light of it um so it's that's that's an interesting way into a workplace comedy is that you're taking something that's an actual problem or an issue and poking fun at it, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it it does it respectfully. You know, what I mean, it's not it doesn't turn it into uh, it. It doesn't make it a joke. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. It's situationally funny as opposed to a joke. Um, it, it turns the, the 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 dumb side of the argument, if you will. It turns that into a joke as opposed mm-hmm. to the the good side. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's. It's an interesting historical comedy. <laughs> right, yeah. And it, it has some interesting historical context that it really twists around and plays with. And it's, right. 
it's like you said, it's highly quotable. Like even today still it's, I mean, Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I saw this movie in theaters a few different times, but it's just, it never got old and it's never, I mean, even 12 years on, it still hasn't gotten old. Oh yeah. It'll live on forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else really? I mean, Oh, it brought it, it gave us, uh, Steve Carell's breakout performance, yeah, definitely. as as Brick, and just the cast of the whole news team is just amazing, incredible. Right. Dave Keckner, um, Paul Rudd, yep, just oh god, uh, Fred Willard, uh huh, yeah, uh, the, the him ending his phone conversations, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, they're so funny, just complete. <laughs> oh my god, those are so great. <laughs> I mean, we've both seen our fair share of pornography. <laughs> Oh, oh, you haven't. Okay, well, I'll talk to you later, Sister Margaret. Of course not, Sister Margaret. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, God, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so great. The subtle stuff like that that mm. not everybody picks up on. It's just, it's amazing how many jokes they cram into this movie. Yeah. Um, I think Mike is the first person who used uh, joke density, or mm-hmm. he, he has a term we for mentioned that. It, yeah yeah and it's like this movie is just non-stop mm-hmm. with the jokes and also uh uh christina applegate yes she is so great at playing a because i mean she had a she probably had i would i would go so far as to say she probably had the the hardest hardest job in this movie yeah because she's playing this she has to play off of these really uh obnoxious characters toward her in a way that's funny while also being like making sure that the stakes of of the like I don't know how to articulate it because I I don't I just don't know how to articulate it but she's she's playing off of the harsh punchlines of these jokes while also like making her own jokes or, or br- making her own presence not just be the punchline of it and part of that's the writing but a lot of it is also in the performance of, of her and it's just it's something that's really really she handles really well yeah she has to be smart and funny while the other guys are all just they're all just dumb yeah they're, yeah. they're ignorant idiots mm-hmm. and and so that they kind of have the easy way into the comedy mm-hmm. but she has to find her way in while because she's obviously way smarter than everyone right. there right. and like takes her job really seriously compared to mm-hmm. these other guys and so she has to find her own comedy amongst that so she yeah you're right she did she did have the harder job the, yeah the yeah. more difficult performance in this i mean she had to go back to her home on whore island <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh god so great so yeah so that's anchorman and it's it's really it's really amazing and i feel like this was one of the first like apatow productions movies um i'm sure i'm i don't know if there were more before it or if or what but this was like the breakout uh that brand Mm-hmm. And uh, also, we could have we could have also probably brought up Four Year Old Virgin, yeah, of, a little bit, um, a little bit, which was kind of the next one. Okay, so next up is Waiting, yes, two thousand five. This is really the only food service industry movie on this list. Interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I will I will give a quick shout out to the movie um, uh, uh, Waffle Street, which was at Heartland and um. I want to say that it's, uh, I think it's available on iTunes and, and Google Play now, but, uh, or it might even be on Netflix. I'm not sure, but it's, it's really, it's a really good movie and it's a good workplace kind of dramedy. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really well done and it handles the food service industry really well. But waiting made me terrified of 
like any type of food service industry job. Like I've I've never worked in a in a restaurant. Um and that that's there's reason because this is uh yeah because yeah. honestly it seems like such a nightmare to me like i i tip 20% on with if i have terrible service if, if i have terrible service just because i don't understand how someone can work in that environment <laughs> and keep their sanity me too um yeah so oh my god yeah so waiting is a really good uh example of a movie about the food service industry that's that's really i don't know it's i don't know i i i love the movie i i love it i love the way that it it has a clear character arc for the main character um played by justin long and it's just this really it's something that's really relatable to anyone who's worked in a job where they feel like they're not working to their full potential and the job in itself isn't conducive to growing their potential or or um um helping them grow where they want to what they want to do and that's like the scenes between justin long and dave keckner in that movie where dave keckner is kind of this he's just the he's just the manager that's kind of really i don't takes his job too seriously takes his job too seriously he's goofy and he's very much uh a part of the I don't even remember the the restaurant's name, but um, but he's very much a part of that corporate like entity, and you get the sense that Justin Long feels like okay, well, you know, he has these intentions of like going back to school or or, or doing something with his life, but it's it's he's he's getting pulled into this this world, and that's something that I I really appreciate about that movie was how it kind of had this story at its heart about this character going through a turning point in his life basically and and coming to terms with what he wants out of his life um at this point in time uh what did you think of waiting tiny you know it's for me it's actually i think it's almost yeah it's like a close second to office space oh nice subgenre um very nice this movie i think hits a lot of the same notes mm-hmm. and is structured again structured remarkably well and is just like so true to life mm-hmm. that it's kind of scary um <laughs> And and I also appreciate the way that the main character is shown as he's he's just one of those people. There's millions of them out there who you just get stuck. You get comfortable. Mm-hmm. You get a job somewhere. and You're like, I'm just going to work here while I'm going to school, or I'm going to. This is temporary, and you work there for ten years or something. <laughs> Again, you looked at me when you said that. <laughs> I, myself, no, myself included, because mm-hmm. I I kind of got stuck in a job for years and years and years right. and. It's like you know you feel like you're capable of more, but you just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And he is that character. I mean, that's God. Yeah, he, he's just that character perfectly. And then um, th- there, there's so many other archetypes of people who work in the service industry, who work in the food service industry, mm-hmm. uh, who are just played perfectly in this movie. There's yeah. that crazy person who's been there way too long. Right. Uh, there's the goofy guy who takes nothing seriously, but is mm-hmm. strangely good at his job. Um, the new guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Played by John Francis Daly, um, <laughs> and and it's just it's it's so fun how the whole movie just takes place in one day. Mm-hmm. You see like the the evolution of one day working at a food service, uh, working at a restaurant like this, one of these corporate chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fiance Paige worked at a chain restaurant. That's like this. right. Yeah, and when she first started there, there were only 
three locations here in Indiana, and now mm-hmm. they have like nine or ten. It's become oh, wow. when she was there, it became like very corporate and very really? much like this. And like she told me that this movie is kind of like their bible <laughs> for for where they worked, and they just wow. they used to just watch it all the time. And Jeez. she said there's so much truth to it; it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the movie is just really classic, and, yeah. and it it has fantastic characters great mm-hmm. sequences it's it, i think it's i think it's underrated i think mm-hmm. there are so many so many people who should see this movie who never yeah. have in the the way that it's shot and filmed is also pretty impressive itself because mm-hmm. there are sequences where it's like where it's just going through the entire restaurant and it's kind of just going through like hitting all the beats of the different characters and what they're doing in it like in such a confined space like like I get claustrophobic just seeing people like it during a dinner rush at a restaurant, and I'm thinking like to capture that on film is is pretty. It takes some talent, and I think that it was captured it really well. Absolutely. Yeah. To go back to the to Justin Justin Long's character, um, just that scene, like the thing that probably the scene that does I wouldn't say resonates with me more more than any, but the scene that kind of hits hits me each time I see it is when he is taking the order for like the kind of the business guys that that are all ordering stuff and like he he's showing his skills he's showing off a little bit i guess but he's just doing it like all from memory like he knows everything that everyone everyone ordered and then like he comes back and like and one of the guys one of the customers is like hey you know you know you're you're really sharp and you i get the sense that you don't really want to be here for the rest of your life. So, you know, if you ever want to change, give me a call. He hands him his business card. So in that moment, it's like Justin Long is like, oh, cool. Yeah. A, a life preserver. Right. <laughs> Something that's going to get me out of this. And it's, and just the scene where he looks at the business card and it's a steak, it's a steak restaurant. It's right. like they own a, they own a restaurant. It's like, man, that just, that hurts. Yeah. That's tough. It's, yeah. Um, not to disparage anyone who has a career in the food service industry. Like I said, I respect the hell out of anyone who can do that. Yeah. It's just, it's just in that movie, in the context of that movie is just so, cause you, cause the audience knows that the character doesn't belong there and it's right. so, it's just, it comes across so genuine and it's, it's really, it's really great. I, I love it for that. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a big difference between working at like an Applebee's mm-hmm. or something, which is kind of what this is, this movie kind of shines a light on. Right. There's a big difference between that and like a, a one of a kind restaurant where, mm-hmm. you know, being a, being a waiter can actually be kind of an art and you have to know right. a ton of things and what kind of wines go with this. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard job no matter where, but you know, you can get to a level where you're working at like a, a local steakhouse mm-hmm. that's a hundred dollars per person. And that's like a career, mm-hmm. you know, but this, this shines a light on what's most common mm-hmm. and that you, you work in a corporate structure and you're the bottom rung of, again, right. I hate to use that, that analogy again, but you're on the bottom rung of the corporate ladder mm-hmm. and you get treated like crap. Yeah. And, I'm with you. I I could never do this job. Right. I I, I've ne- I never waited tables, and I never mm-hmm. could. I I could not do it. I would eat all the food. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd be fired on the first day. Right. But it's just it's uh it's it's such a great movie. I I just really love it. Have you ever have you ever seen Still Waiting? No, I've not. Straight to DVD sequel. Yeah. 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 It bums me out to see it. Because there is one cameo in the movie. I'm going to go ahead and spoil Still Waiting. Eh. Eh. 
No, there's a cameo in it that bums me out because it's basically uh, someone shows up from the first movie and it just it bums me out to see that cameo in that movie. But um, maybe I need to watch it again. But it the whole uh, waiting itself, the original waiting is really, really well done and really. Yeah, it's really great. I was trying to make a joke about like like medium, medium well done. Um, yeah, like the steaks served in the restaurant that I can't remember the name. Of. Was this shenanigans? I think it was shenanigans. Shenanigans, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, oh, shenanigans. Yeah. Super troopers. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> which could also be a workplace comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. The much like the steaks at shenanigans in the movie Waiting, this movie is well done. Nice. Um, yeah. I'm weirdly not that proud of that <laughs> um, <laughs> okay tiny do you want to bring up the next one yeah uh next up we have the movie horrible bosses from 2011 yes. um which again is so much about relatability mm-hmm. i think so many people have had horrible bosses mm-hmm. um to the point where they've fantasized about at least something horrible happening to them right. maybe not murdering them right um but something horrible happening to them thankfully i've never had a boss that bad um but I've I've yeah. had I've had one or two that I just kind of hate a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so that's again that's that's kind of the cleverness of of doing a workplace comedy is you find common ground, find something that somebody can relate to, and and mm-hmm. from there it's just rife with opportunities for comedy. Um, I, I think part of what made this movie so funny is that they took. Uh, very famous and well-respected actors <laughs> and put them and made them the horrible bosses. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Col- um, oh my gosh. I can't think Colin of Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Thank you. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Jennifer and Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the most famous people in the movie are the horrible bosses. Right. And it's just that that's just, it was a really clever idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it works so well. Um, seeing Colin Farrell with the, the comb over, and right. the horrible attitude. I freaking love his performance in this movie. Me too. It's so fun. It's, it's fantastic. so fun. And and even Kevin Spacey, who you know needs no introduction, and no one was surprised that he can put in a good performance. Right. Um, but the part where I just I love the line where he's like, "I had no idea that you called your grandmother." Can't and just, <laughs> his laugh. He's, so his cruel. laugh is so genuine it's so and just great. so so mean <laughs> and like just the fact that he was able to to do that mm-hmm. without losing it i don't know i th- there's some really classic yeah uh performance stuff in this movie yeah. god and again colin farrell though yeah just my god the from <laughs> rolling around in his special little secret chair <laughs> it's like it's so mean yes. and so terrible like they're so mean-spirited yes and it's just it's so great and i love the interplay between the three leads uh jason bayman jason sudeikis and charlie day i mean the those three those three actors working together are just like they have the best chemistry oh absolutely they are freaking amazing and uh into like even when they're doing stuff some stuff as simple as just ragging on Charlie Day's character for yeah. his problem because it, like they're it's very different from their problems obviously and um i don't know and it, it kind of it plays to all of their strengths so well without really without typecasting them 
mm-hmm. um, like like Sudeikis. He is this kind of charming, like a hole ish kind of guy, but he's he still has that charm and he's still he's charismatic. And Jason Bateman is kind of the as close to the straight man of the group as can be, but he still has his own quirks and everything. And Charlie Day is kind of the lovable buffoon right. of it. It's just, it's such a great dynamic between the three of them. And I love horrible bosses too. Um, I love horrible bosses too as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen the second one. Oh really? Yeah. I haven't seen oh, it Oh man. But, uh, Oh, if I, Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh, I'm with should. you on the chemistry of the three leads too. It's mm-hmm. it's like they're not acting, right? It's oh, like yeah. it's like they're just being themselves, and someone showed up with a camera, right? They're all just just uh, pillars of comedic acting, if mm-hmm. you ask me. I think they're all really good. So if I could, tiny, I would bend this movie over the barrel and show it the fifty states. <laughs> um, is, that, is that is that a saying? Is that what it is now? Hey. Um, <laughs> God, it is now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, ridiculous. Anything else on Horrible Bosses? No, it's another instant classic. I think. Nice, yeah. You definitely need to watch Horrible Bosses too. I think. Okay. It's. I think it's definitely. A- also, we didn't mention Jamie Fox as Motherfucker Jones. Yes. Oh my God, the scene where he tells the origin story of his of his name. Yeah, I don't even remember so, it. So, oh my God, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it here, guys. <laughs> this movie's five years old. If you haven't, if you want to have the majesty of Jamie Foxx's performance in it, like unsullied, skip ahead like 30 seconds. But he's he he. How'd you get the nickname mother? When I was a kid, I snuck into my mother's bedroom. Oh, she was laying there naked. Dean, she had been drinking all night. Yuck! And then I snuck up behind her. Ah! And then I slipped my fingers into her purse. Purse? You said purse. And I took her money, the whole week's pay. I really f***ed her over. And that's how I got the name Motherfucker Jones. Right. Yeah. You know, they should call you Motherfucker Over Jones to avoid confusion, right? What's the confusion? There's right, no confusion. Here we go. We're going to get back on track. <laughs> that's why they call me Motherfucker Jones. <laughs> it's just so great. That's great. Like, I... That's one of those times where I saw it in the theater and I like tears were streaming down my face because I was <laughs> laughing so hard at that. That's awesome. So great. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. So yeah. So that's in. And as far as far as the relatability of it, to bring it back to the main topic, like like you said, Tiny, like everyone's had like horrible bosses. I haven't had any that are that bad that I can think of. Like. Uh, all my bosses at my former company were pretty good, or were great, and obviously, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the ones at my new job seemed really good, and that's my entire work history, basically. But yeah, um, that's rare, though. It is, yeah. Most oh, yeah. people have had bosses they hate, right? Right. Yeah. Or at least moments where they hate their boss, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I've had, I've had some, I've had some. Uh, bosses that i've clashed clashed with in the past so yeah yeah so yeah so there are a lot of different workplace comedies movies um but those are the ones that stand out to us and our 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 shared viewing experiences of the last uh 30 or so years um since we were born um (laughs) so uh so yeah so we're gonna kind of um briefly 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 touch on just a few tv shows just kind of rapid fire Mm -hmm. um on this list i have the drew carey show which uh if you remember drew carey in in the show was like um uh 
he he worked for a department store or something like he like a and distribution or something like that. Did you ever watch True Care Show? I didn't really watch it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. It was it was uh it was the kind of show that we kind of just played. We we watched it like kind of in passing. I think maybe when it was in syndication, and we just like it wasn't like a appointment viewing. But I actually I actually really enjoyed it. John okay. Carroll Lynch is in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, and and I don't. I want to say like this. This show ran from ninety five to two thousand four, and I want to say that John Carroll Lynch he played Drew Carey's brother, and there was an arc where he decided or it. Became, like he's a, he's a crossdresser or something. That's right. Okay, I remember yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, and I don't remember how they handled it, but I mean, it was the mid '90s, early 2000s. I kind of it would be interesting to go back and see how it is in in this kind of our current uh, uh, culture now, right. uh, compared to to then and how it was depicted on screen. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere. Oh, that's too which bad. Which sucks, but I'd be interested yeah. in watching it because I know like the I remember. That show was famous because uh, arguably the supporting characters were the funniest part. Mm-hmm. Um, Diedrich Bader and yeah. um, oh. I, I don't remember the other actor's name. Oh, but yeah. The tall guy from Whose Line Ryan is Ryan Stiles? Is that him? Or is that someone else? That might be someone else. Yeah, the guy from Whose Line. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the woman who I think was in the relationship with Drew Carey on the mm-hmm. show who became, she was more famous for Scrubs, I think. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, we did yeah. did our research for this we, one. We we really tell. didn't. Um, <laughs> I really didn't know the show that well, but every once in a while, I, when I would catch it, I'd be like, "Man, the supporting characters are almost the best part of the show." Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's a it's really a mark of a good sitcom. Also, yeah, the supporting characters. Um, next up, Rapid Fire also is uh, just shoot me. Some of these episodes are available on Crackle, actually. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, David Spade is, I think, one of the central characters in the show. It's about a working at a magazine. I remember enjoying it. It was another show like Drew Carey where we just kind of played it whenever it was on. It was a good like sick sick day TV show, also because mm-hmm. it aired reruns on like uh, USA, I think, during the during the day. So, I mean, it, it, it's a fun show. It's a fun show worth checking out. Um, yeah, I don't really remember much else of it, but um, the next one, Tiny, I doubt that you've seen. But no, I've not. <laughs> okay, it's I think it's called like Fred Savage, I think, but it's called Working. Don't know anything about it. All I know is that when I saw it as a kid, I saw it and was like, "Oh, it's a show about them working in an office." <laughs> and like this was such a novel idea to me because I was like, you know, it, it was aired from ninety seven to ninety nine, so I was what uh, twelve, and. Uh, it just it really kind of seemed interesting to me, and it seemed it, the comedy was pretty good for the time for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it was it was cool. Don't think it's available anywhere, but um. And then I'm gonna kind of okay. So the next one is Scrubs, which uh, kind of a workplace medical comedy. Oh, awesome! Awesome yeah. show. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of the best non-series series finales ever. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, which was the season eight finale, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. And then the last two, obviously, we can probably talk a little more about them, but I mean, we're running a little low on time. Yeah. Um, the Office and Parks and Rec, you, we would be remiss not to mention them. They are just titans of television. Yeah. And their legacy is going to go on for a while. I actually just started rewatching season nine of The Office, the last season, um, just because I felt... Like they didn't stick the landing yeah. on it for me. Um and there are some I'm only two episodes into it, but there are some elements of it that I still just I can't 
I can't reconcile in my brain okay. now, but uh, like, I mean, Catherine Tate's whole character just should have been cut out of the show entirely. Yeah. But even at its worst, the show was just absolutely amazing. It is the quintessential workplace comedy. Agreed. Um, probably in film or TV. It's the office space of TV. It is, yeah. In my book, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so... It's so great. It's so great. And when I was in, when I had, so my first week of work was last week and I had to do orientation. And when I had some downtime during, uh, in between training sessions, I basically had to watch some corporate videos, uh, that the company had online. And to their credit, they're, they're really well done corporate videos and everything, which, but so like, it's so like I had, there was one on sexual harassment and, um, the discrimination in the workplace, stuff like that. And like each time I saw it, like each time they had an example, I just pulled from the banks of my memory, like a Michael Scott scene. Yep. <laughs> and it was like, all I was thinking was that, man, they should just put clips from the office into this, into these training <laughs> sessions or in, into these training videos. It's memorable. They're, it's so memorable. Yeah. And it's so true to that culture also. Yeah. And it's, it's just so great. Um, yeah. Oh God. I I just adore that show. And the characters, obviously, um, like you said about uh, Drew Carey, is that the supporting characters were very strong, and like even even I mean, sure, there was a huge vacuum when Steve Carell left, but um, we could probably do a whole retrospective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but um, but there was a vacuum left, but still, the supporting characters were like, if it was just a Steve Carell vehicle it would not have worked nearly as well as it did not by a long stretch. Cause they had so many just incredibly memorable, um, supporting characters in running bits that ran through the entire series. Like I was shocked because like, there's one of my favorite kind of running gags of the whole series is that Toby's in love with Pam. Yeah. And it's so, it's so hilarious to me. And then in, even in season nine, there's a scene where, um, like the uh, people are in the break room and they're, they're doing a, doing kind of a, kind of like a newlywed game type of game. And it's basically like Jim and Pam are writing on their first celebrity crushes or, or they're guessing Pam's first celebrity crush. And Jim says, John Stamos. And then she's like, no, it was. And then like, before she can say it, put Toby just says Johnny Depp. And then like, it's the creepiest and it's the weirdest, most awkward silence ever. Cause she says it like immediately after he says, it, and then, like they're like the, everyone looks at him and then he's just like, uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. I was just talking to Kevin and Johnny Depp and it's just, it's so like <laughs> little things like that are what make this show so memorable and so fantastic to me. Tiny, what do you think of the office? I agree. It's, it, I think it's the quintessential workplace comedy as well. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, that moniker. Um, and I think so much of it is, it, it's amazing how, so much of it is Steve Carell, which mm-hmm. which is crazy, um, because I don't want to put the quality of the show all on one person because right. it's it's a it's an amalgamation of things. It's not just one thing. Um, the writing is out of this world, mm-hmm. and all the characters are just so realized. But you're so familiar with them, but you you don't know what they're going to do next, right? Which is it's just hard to pull off. Um, and I I agree with the ending the, mm-hmm. or the last couple seasons. Yeah. Um. They they took some weird turns, but you know you just have to keep in mind how hard it is to conclude a series. Oh yeah, I mean appreciate the journey. Like don't mm-hmm. people put a little bit too much pressure on the endings of stories? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think the journey is where it's at. 
Um, but you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from the show. It's right. it's so, it's it's just so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, love it. I love it too. And uh, our last pick for this segment and this topic is Parks and Rec. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand with The Office. Everything about it is like everything about what made The Office great made is, is kind of what made Parks and Rec great, and what separates Parks and Rec from The Office is that it created this entire uh, town. Like this, like Pawnee, Indiana is is as much. Oh my God, this is such a contrived thing to say. It's such a character. Yeah. Uh, in the show, but when I say when I say that, I don't mean that in the contrived sense. I mean that literally the scenes where the 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 government has these public forums are some of the best scenes of the entire series Mm -hmm. because you have these just random people representing the city of Pawnee just saying complete nonsense. And it's so it's, it's great um, universe building basically. And it reached kind of a, kind of a, it's height toward the end of the series run because you have, you had Eagleton, as a competing town and it's just it's just that dynamic is what made me really like one of the things that made me really fall in love with Parks and Rec um and it's just it's it's absolutely phenomenal also to to bring it back to the office real quick i think it's funny that like the us office <laughs> is so it is such a beast obviously it ran for a lot longer than the uk office but like we just said the office and immediately default u.s office right so, right uh so the british office is is also a really great workplace comedy obviously yeah and david brent is amazing but um yeah but it's just the office the, the our version yeah. um is just so ubiquitous and, and great right right um, yeah you know with parks and recreation i was not i was never as into it um as a lot of people were mm-hmm. i I, th- I just think it was just a little, it was just a little too derivative of the office for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just felt like the office in a different setting. Um, but, but where it deserves a crap ton of credit is in the characters because mm-hmm. they did create their own characters. I mean, there's maybe some similar dynamics, but, um, Ron Swanson is just like one of the best characters in TV history. Absolutely. He's just so, that character is just so ridiculous. The mm-hmm. co- the concept alone of a person who is vehemently anti-government working in the government yeah. is just that's just classic. I mean, mm-hmm. whoever thought that up is brilliant. Oh yeah. Um, and not to mention he's a he's a kind of a kind of a libertarian kind of the way I am, small right. government person, and so like I relate to that a little bit. But it's it's so perfect because it just it pokes fun at how ridiculous that idea mm-hmm. can be sometimes. Um, and I I appreciated all the all the different places they took that character yeah uh, he he was just especially awesome um but then andy, i mean andy dwyer oh, by yeah. chris pratt and his oh, dedication yeah. to that character after he became a huge star mm-hmm. um was great <laughs> he played it awesomely oh yeah one of my not i it's not even really one of my favorite scenes just one of one of the one of the funniest bits for me uh was when he when chris pratt got guardians of the galaxy and bulked up for it and everything. And like, you know, he was before that, he was kind of the, kind of the, the doughy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just a scene where Chris Pratt and, uh, Adam Scott are walking up the stairs and like, they're just having a conversation and it's like, and Adam Scott's like, Oh, like, or, uh, uh, Chris Pratt says, yeah, I just, I just stopped drinking beer. 
and I lost like 40 pounds. And it's just like, really? You just, how much beer were you drinking? <laughs> it's just such a great throwaway line. But that's funny. Um, but yeah, the characters are fantastic in the show, and the, the, the scenarios that they put them in are really great. While I wasn't really on board with the kind of choices that were made at the start of the final season, and and how it kind of shifted the show in a certain direction. Um, I think that it ended really well, and the character of Leslie Nope is is just fantastic. And Amy Poehler, just my God, I don't, uh, I don't have this information readily available, but I don't think she ever won an Emmy. Oh, really? Yeah, and that is a freaking travesty. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she was phenomenal. Like one, like like you said, Ron Swanson is one of the great TV characters of all time, and Leslie Knope, I think, is right up there with him. She, I, she wasn't quite there for me, really? honestly. Okay. I, she she was good, but okay. uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from her. But right again, she just felt a little derivative of Michael Scott to me. Okay. Yeah. No. Over, well, overly enthusiastic. Yeah. And, at first she did like at first she was basically a Michael Scott clone but i th- i feel like after maybe a season and a half she really got into her own she she was really in um she became her own character and more okay. ambitious and Am- yeah, the ambition definitely competent yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah right uh qualified <laughs> um <laughs> right but uh but yeah i i see what you're saying though i i understand yeah. um and also, thank God they got rid of the um, yeah the Jim Halpert of the show. Essentially, Paul Schneider is that Paul him? Schneider. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, it's it's not even really a. Th- huh? I don't know if it's a question of his performance or if it. I think it's a mixture of the performance and just not knowing what to do with the character. Yeah, because he was very flat, very kind of played it cool, but it just seemed like there. It just his his character just didn't fit into what the show eventually became. Like it just seemed like his character was, his character was, um, a byproduct of the office. Like, like okay, the office has these archetypes. Let's let's yeah. copy them here. And then when when uh, Parks and Rec became the show that it was, I feel like that character just didn't fit in at all. I agree, and you could tell his heart wasn't in it. Right. Yeah. And if totally. your heart's not going to be in it, you don't need to be there. Exactly. So I, I I really didn't miss him. Yeah, me neither. And it's kind of funny and i don't know what it says about the behind the scenes of it but it's funny that he's just really never referenced again yeah like at all like even in the finale or the final season so the only thing i missed was his name brandanowitz yeah mark brandanowitz awesome polo yep. name but um but yeah but we got i mean we got uh rob Lowe and adam scott oh yeah and those those characters were those performers in those characters were fantastic much better additions to the to the show absolutely yep so that rounds us out for our main topic, and uh, before we get to potpourri, I actually have some listener um, listener thoughts on the topic. Basically, what I've been doing lately, and if, and if what I've been doing lately is I've been uh, posting on Twitter and Facebook on the day of recording, saying like, "Hey, this is what we're recording tonight. Give us your thoughts on the topic or whatever," um, and we get you know some responses. So if you're listening to this and you don't follow us on on Facebook or Twitter, go ahead and do that now. It's uh, facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And I'm at obsessive viewer and tiny's at obsessive tiny. Um, so we got some feedback on the topic of workplace comedies. So I'm going to read through them really quickly. Uh, friend of the show, Justin, who was at Shocktober Norrington. Yep. And hopefully we'll be at the Shocktober Norrington. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, on the topic of workplace workplace comedies, he said, No list would be complete without Office Space. The comic genius of Mike Judge combined with the catharsis of watching someone completely let go of their stressors and insecurities, speaking their mind to all of their awful archetypal uh, uh, co-workers is amazing. Clerks, while not my favorite work of Kevin Smith's, was also certainly an interesting watch as Dante deals with his 20-something rut while painting an interesting allegory alongside Inferno. Um, and hey, it got Smith moving on to bigger projects. Uh, and then he also said, I've seen Archer and the Venture Brothers lumped in, uh, but I think that's kind of pushing the genre a little. Yeah, I almost mentioned Archer, but yeah. I, I agree with him that it's it's a little bit of a stress uh, of a stretch. It's more of a spy uh, comedy than a it is, workplace yeah. comedy. In the early days of the Archer, it was it was very much like a workplace comedy, right. but then it branched out a lot. So yeah, yeah. Um, his fiance and friend of the show, friends of the, friends of the co-host and and former coworker of the co-hosts. Um, she was actually my manager for two days uh, before I left the company. <laughs> uh, Alex, she said uh, she had a list of three: um, the Office because it's comical and emotional all at the same time. Uh, number two is Parks and Rec because Amy Poehler kills it and Chris Pratt is hilarious. And then three, and this w- this surprised me because I know Alex well and this does not seem like a show that she would be into. But um, number three is Eastbound and Down. Uh, and she actually says, uh, typically not my type of comedy. Um, example, ridiculously crude and cringy. Uh, but I couldn't stop watching it. So, you know. Yeah. It's a good mention, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have Brandon Yotter from Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. Um, he said, does Scrubs count? Uh, the majority of it takes place in their workplace, and I don't think I need to list reasons why it's one of the best sitcoms of all time. Totally agree. Yep. And then friend of the show and former guest, uh, Sam Nelson, he said, definitely Office Space and potentially Horrible Bosses as well, if that counts. Uh, that's that's another thing. I feel like I, I was pretty vague in the post about it. Like, yeah. Workplace comedy. So it's pretty vague. Right. So a lot of these are, does it count? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Palermo from Sci-Fi on Screen podcast said, The Office, end of story. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then uh, friend of the show, Craig from Intermission podcast said, The Office, obviously, oh, and Office Space because it's hilarious. Um God, we got so many of these. Um, I'm hang tight. We're almost done. Um, friend of the show, Mike uh, from Indie Popcorn at Gray Matter Spot. He said it may be cliche, but Office Space still holds up. Totally agree. And then Matt, who I believe you work with, uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. Yeah. Okay, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know if you worked it with him or not. No, he's a friend. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Um, <laughs> Anyway, Matt says, in addition to office space, you can always do Grandma's Boy for more IT workers or Idiocracy if you're a time traveler. Nice. And uh, I told him that as an aspire, as an aspire, as an aspiring time traveler, I applaud your choice of Idiocracy. Yeah, Matt works in IT, so okay. he's got some great stories. Okay, nice. Yeah. And uh, and I didn't even think of Grandma's Boy. Like, I didn't even yeah. think about that, but yeah. Um. Then also a longtime listener, uh, longtime listener Yasmin said, uh, "The Office US had the funniest characters, and Veep has such great dialogue. Just started the thick of it, and it's hilarious. I'm really anxious to check out the thick of it." Um, then also, and only three more to go, guys. I promise. <laughs> um, Dylan Shuck, former former guest on the podcast, uh, he has the podcast, The Watch and Talk. Uh, he said, "The Office, LOL. I picked the easy one." <laughs> 
And then uh, one of our more recent listeners, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, uh, uh, he said Office Space. He actually, I think he has a Seinfeld podcast, like a um, bracket podcast, uh, coming out. Okay. Soon. So, uh, and then finally to round us out, uh, Brian Davids from Film Schlubs and former guest on the show, uh, and future guest uh, at some point. Um, he said, Waiting, Empire Records, Clerks, and then he said, The Devil Wears Prada is a decent movie, all things considered. Don't tell anyone I said that. Oh, that's, that's completely defensible. That's a great yeah. movie. I yeah. I think that's a really good movie. It's really funny and clever. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make time to watch it and talk about it, but, uh, I didn't. It's a good movie. Get around to it. So, so yeah. So that's that's our feedback. Thanks for writing in, guys, and thanks for commenting and tweeting and all that. And be on the lookout for future posts like that. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, potpourri, li- lightning round. Yeah. Yes. I got a. There's. I, I can go ahead and kick us off if you want. Okay. Okay. I have two things. So I'll. I'll let me. Let me start off. Okay. okay. First time listeners. Potpourri section of the podcast talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good i'll start off lightning round uh this weekend i saw two movies in the theater the first one i saw was the nice guys with ryan gosling and um um russell crow mm-hmm. uh such a fun freak such a fun buddy cop uh noir-esque um 70s noir movie basically wow and it was so much fun it's shane black writing and directing he co-wrote it oh, i didn't know it was shane black yeah oh my god and the dialogue is so fantastic awesome like there are moments in the movie that just had me just cracking up and i was really along for the ride however the mystery at the center of the story was a little dising i was a little disengaged in it throughout but I think the dynamic between uh, Crow and Gosling just really, really made up for it. And special mention to, I think her, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she's an Australian actress. Uh, Her name is Angori Rice. Um, Butchering that, but she plays Ryan Gosling's daughter in the movie, and she, she's a scene stealer. And wow. Like, yeah. And like in the trailer, it kind of, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So Ryan Gosling's character has a daughter. That's fine. Um, but in the movie, she plays a more like central role in it. She's basically like the third wheel to their dynamic, and it works so well. Nice. Um, yeah, and there, there are just moments that it, it plays with the conventions and it plays with expectations in such a fun way. And by the end of it, I just I, all I was thinking was I had so much fun in this world with these characters, and I would like to see more. I don't know if there will ever be another nice guys i doubt it but um it was just so much it's such a fun ride it's such a fun ride so nice i'm way more excited about that knowing that it's shane black nice i didn't know that you didn't know no i did not know that nice so, so yeah so that's a nice guys it's i think it's still in theaters but well i just saw it two days ago or four days ago but okay anyway what do you have for Popery tiny uh i have an hbo movie from 2001 called conspiracy um i was just kind of flipping through hbo go movies over the weekend looking for something to watch and mm-hmm. this popped up i'd never even heard of it um, I highly recommend it. Nice. Uh, the film is about uh, the Vanasse Conference, which I did not even know this existed. So in winter of 1942, a bunch of high-ranking Nazi officials and members of the Nazi government convened at a remote location in Germany to discuss the final solution to the Jewish problem. Oh, wow. And it was like... F- 12 or 15 people got together and made the decision to start exterminating Jews. Wow. I had no idea that that ever happened. Um, and huh. most people 
no one knew about it for a long time. It was mm-hmm. one of those things that they didn't, no one was supposed to keep a record of it, but by accident someone did. Someone wow. found the transcripts and that's how we know about it. Um, the movie is absolutely terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, I, fair warning though, it is, 90 minutes long, 80% of it is people sitting around a table talking. Okay. So be aware of that. It's not for everyone. Um, but the cast is spectacular. Yes. Uh, the, the two biggest names are Kenneth Branagh and Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also Tom Hiddleston is in it barely, um, oh. but it's, it was kind of fun to see him. Um, and then some of the other standouts were Colin Firth. Uh, at the time, he wasn't really a big name, but obviously now he's Oscar winner. Right. Um, and then uh Ian McNeese, who people might know from Doctor Who he played from Doctor Who he played uh uh Winston Churchill in, in some episodes of Doctor oh, Who. He was okay. really good in that. Um Owen Teal, who plays uh one of the knights Oh yeah Knights Watchmen on uh Game of Thrones. He's Alistair Thorne. Alistair Thorne, thank you. Yeah, yeah I couldn't remember the character's name. Mm-hmm. And then Brendan Coyle from uh uh, most famous for uh, Downton Abbey is Mr. Carson. Okay. Um, the cast... Uh, is John Bates. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep, John Bates. I've never seen it. I'm just on uh, IMDb. Good job. But anyway. I would have screwed <laughs> that up. Um, but for for me, obviously Kenneth Branagh is a standout. He's just one of those like classically trained British actors. Mm. And he plays kind of the lead, if you will. Not that there even is a lead in the movie, but he is he's the highest ranking person at the table and he basically already has his mind made up. Mm-hmm. And he's basically just trying to convince other people to participate in this wow. awful, awful, the worst the worst crime in human history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's his performance is just astounding. He can just stare bullets into people, and you, wow. you're, like, intimidated as an audience member. It's just he's so impressive in this movie. Um, and it, it, they managed to... It's amazing that they managed to make sympathetic characters out of some of these people. Colin Firth plays a lawmaker. He's a lawyer who's mm-hmm. written, he wrote the Nuremberg Laws, um, okay. which were the first laws about what to do with the persecuted Jews of Germany. Right. Um, and he tries to defend against exterminating Jews, but his defense is we should just sterilize them instead. instead oh, wow. Which is just an unbelievably cruel thing to right. do. And so even your most sympathetic character is horribly racist and terrible right. and but you still manage to sympathize with them it's 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 really an incredible feat of writing and and acting the performances are just so good um, that is awesome i i recommend it so much because it's, it's a piece of history i had no idea even existed mm-hmm. um and everyone involved just absolutely crushed everything um nice. it's on hbo go if if you don't mind watching people talk for an hour and a half right watch this movie well i mean we're listening to a podcast tiny <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah i mean so everybody everybody right. would like it anyone yeah. even kids um, <laughs> no do not show this to your geez. children please <laughs> oh wow it's very good nice that's yeah. awesome mm-hmm. so that's called conspiracy and that's yep. on hbo go yep um and to round out the topic or the potpourri segment in the episode um <laughs> Uh, a couple days ago, I saw Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. Tiny. Yeah. First of all, okay, first of all, um, fun fun little behind-the-curtain thing. Uh, I, went to, I went to a 3.30 showing on Sunday, and a uh, friend of the show, frequent guest, Robert Feckus, was in that screening. Really? Yeah, it was like seeing a celebrity. That's funny. Um, no, so yeah, so that was cool. But seeing the movie was, uh, the actual movie was just 
hysterical. And coming off the cusp of us just having talked about mu- mu- uh, music and musician movies and having just seen Spinal Tap for the first time, this movie is... Okay, so it's really tough to do this type of movie. And and from as far as I can tell, it flopped at the box office. Yeah. Um, but this is a risk. It's it's like a... Let me ask you this, Tiny. Are you a fan of The Lonely Island? Oh, yeah. Okay, you will love this movie because it is like a an hour and a half long Lonely Island video. <laughs> nice. It is fantastic. It's about uh, Andy Samberg. They're not, they're not the Lonely Island in the movie, obviously, but Andy Samberg plays this guy named... Uh, Connor Friel, who is embarks on a solo pop uh, pop music career as Connor for real, <laughs> and uh, after he splits from his uh, boy band Style Boys, uh, which is uh, made up of the other two from from the Lonely Island, and the movie is such it's a it's a mockumentary style uh, movie, and it's it's just it's freaking hilarious. I can't I can't. I can't really speak highly enough about the comedy of it, but it's nice. like definitely go check it out. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Tim Meadows plays like his his manager, I believe, and like he like anytime he's on screen, I just think, man, I love Tim Meadows. He's he's oh, fantastic, he's great. and he's really great in that role. There's one scene where he um he has a scene with another character, and then he turns and walks up to Connor. And like he, the look on his face is just like it's just a split contrast between like a high energy, like angry scene with another character. And then he looks and he, he has this like he has this like, oh, my God, that just happened. Look on his face like <laughs> like it's it's so it's so funny. I'm not doing it justice. But um, there's there's a few scenes where I just I lo- I, I just lost I just lost my <laughs> it was it was hilarious <laughs> through and through. And um, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. And it also has some heart to it. Also, yeah. uh, I will say that there's some there's some good there's some good heart to it, and it's just and and the cameos or the yeah the the cameos in it is so funny. Or there's so many like there's I'll give one one little piece away, but like Usher. <laughs> Usher pops up and there like there's a lot of like talking heads of just famous musicians and everything and Usher pops up and like he he mentions like man just just seeing the style boys when they broke up or or whatever and he's like they they had an album called Donkey Roll or something and they had like <laughs> a dance called the Donkey Roll and he's like that's I mean that album that's the reason I started dancing <laughs> and like seeing Usher say that is just it's it's hilarious That's funny. And uh it's it's Ah, oh, it's such a good movie, and I'm I'm just kind of circling back. There's a really funny. I'll I'll leave on this. There's a really funny gag that they do, um, where they cut to, um, like when something happens in the story, they cut to basically the basically TMZ, but it's they call it CMZ, and it's um, it's it's like those little um segments on the TMZ show where they're like. They're talking and laughing very obnoxiously about different, different uh, taking story ideas and stuff about the the stuff that they've found on people, um, and they're all like drinking and like drinking from bottles and everything. They ape that and they parody it so well in this movie. Uh, Mike Birbiglia, it, like it's made up of several people in the scene, several like notable people, but I'm going to sing a lot Mike Birbiglia because he has this ridiculous, like, like he has khaki shorts and a ridiculously long blonde hair thing. <laughs> and it's, Oh my God. It's so funny. Nice. It's so funny. I'm so, so glad to hear that. Yeah. So please go check out pop star 
Never Stop Never Stopping. And uh, and then also come check us out at Indie PopCon. Please do. Yes. And also, I forgot to mention this at the top, but we're still doing that uh, iTunes thing that I said last week. Um, if you leave us an iTunes review and like the Facebook page, send us a message on Facebook with your username for um, – uh, iTunes or copy and paste the review. I don't, whatever. Um, send us a message on, on Facebook and you will be entered into a pool of names of other contestants uh, for the chance to win a $10 gift card to Amazon. Awesome. Which will be doled out at the end of the month or at the beginning of next month, actually. So you have until June 30th to do all this. Go do that. And, uh, yeah. And that's about it. What are we doing next week? If Mike's here, do we want to do the three year thing? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We might do... We have one of two things we're going to do next week. We're either going to do um, a uh, um, uh, a special three-year anniversary podcast episode if Mike is available for it. If not, then review Warcraft? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what we'll do. Nice. Uh, so, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Do you want to skip the internship? Yeah, kind of. It seems to not fit with these. Because yeah. the other ones are like almost instant classics and they're like super quotable. That's true. That's true. I yeah. barely even remember the internship. Yeah, me neither. I was going to bring up the internship and the intern, but I watched wow. the intern last night and it is not a workplace comedy. Oh, really? It's like a it's like a heartfelt comedy about an old intern. And it's like, yeah. it's it's actually a really good movie. You is it really? It okay. Oh, yeah. I know it's on HBO Go. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I watched it. Okay. So, so yeah, so there are a lot of different work. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>